Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Yes. But you don't want to be doing that with stocks that could go bankrupt in six months. So right. I would lay that foundation first. And then I would do that wheel where I would sell naked puts. And, and you know, if, if the stock continues to rise, I'm selling those naked puts. That's fantastic. You know, uh, I could just keep collecting that premium. If the stock price dropped, then I would get in to a stock at a price lower than I was already happy buying it at as I collected that premium. And then I could collect premium on the other side to sell cover calls on. This is the How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast. Today, we have a special lesson for you. And this is coming straight from my brand new trading course called the AI Stock Trading System. I've literally pulled this lesson straight out of the course and I'm putting it here on the podcast because I really believe that this is gonna provide you massive, massive value. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And hey, listen, if this podcast was useful to you at all, I really highly suggest that you go check out the full trading course at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Back to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Today, we have a special guest online, Andrew Sather. He's the president of Sather Research LLC and also the co-host of the Investing for Beginners podcast. Now, I'm, I'm incredibly excited to have uh, Andrew on today. I think he's going to teach me a lot of stuff along with you guys. So, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. It's a cool podcast you have. I know you're just pumping out content like crazy, so it's great you have a service like this to help people who want to learn how to trade. I appreciate that. I mean, I when I first started the podcast, I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this for real. So I kind of just booked myself, and I was like, three days a week, we're making episodes. I mean, it's just like Seinfeld or something like that, right? You always click on the show, and you know what time it's going to start. That that was my mentality with this. This is not going to be a hobby. This is going to be a real thing. So, so Andrew, tell me about your podcast and 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 tell me about a little bit about you and say the research and and uh, and your website, which is uh, let me double check. It's einvestingforbeginners.com. So, tell us a little bit about you and 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 your story. That's that's really why I wanted to have you on today. Okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. You know, we have a podcast like you mentioned, and we're a lot less professional than you are. It's basically two two really average dudes who are just talking to each other about, you know, trying to teach about how to be in the stock market along the way. But, you know, just really finding things that we find interesting and, and trying to explain and, and really come from the heart of a teacher and really teach people. So for me, you know, I, I don't really have a background in finance. I'm, I'm definitely immersed nowadays, uh, obviously. But um, I went to school for engineering and I got my degree in electrical engineering and just had a regular electrical engineering job fresh out of college. And, you know, for me, I've always been a numbers guy. That's what drew me to engineering. Um, but I didn't know really anything about the stock market. I didn't know about personal finance, you know, a lot of those basics. 
And so for me, it was just, you know, let's get a good job and, 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 and that will be enough. Uh, I was very fortunate to have a mentor at my first job who not only taught me about engineering, but he was also very passionate about the stock market, very passionate about personal finance. So we would chat about it a lot. And, you know, for a while I found it slightly interesting, but, you know, I was like, that's kind of cool, whatever. But one day he came into the office and he had a brand new Corvette. And when he came in, he said, oh, yeah, you know, I just sold some stocks and bought this thing. And I'm like, all right, like you're an engineer like me. The fact that you, you, you did this from the stock market is very intriguing. So I, I started paying a lot more attention to the things he had to say. And my personality, once I start really getting interested in something, I, I dive completely in. So from there, you know, I started teaching myself about the stock market. I came across a couple of really good books. So it's kind of a funny story how that how that started too. I just went to a, a, a local Barnes and Noble. And I, again, I, I don't know anything about stock market at this point. And so I'm scanning through the books that are in the Barnes and Noble. And I look and I look and I say, oh, Peter Lynch. I, I know I, that sounds familiar. You know, I know I know Merrill Lynch. So that, that must be legitimate. So I pick up his book. It's called Beating the Street. Mm -hmm. And then I look I again. Do you have it? Yep. Oh yeah, I've got that, and I've got uh, one up on Wall Street. Both of those. Yeah. Yeah. I I just I love how he makes it so simple for average people, and, and you know he talks about owning what you know and, and the fact that you know just in your everyday life he made an example of his wife going to a store and and that place was just a zoo because so many people were there buying things and it it, it was a good stock idea for him and he actually made some money from it, so you know that was something I think I got really fortunate that. The way he writes his books is very easy to understand for somebody with no background. And so for me, that was the very first book I read. And then I went down the rabbit hole mm -hmm. of uh, Benjamin Graham and The Intelligent mm -hmm. Investor. And, and it's just evolved over time. And I've, I've learned about so many different parts of the stock market. And as I've become an investor, I, I've gone through a process of learning a lot, thinking I know it all, being humbled, and then starting that process again. And so... I'm fortunate, I think, uh, in a way that I've been able to learn about a lot of different aspects. I tried my hand in options trading during the COVID crash, which is oh, just probably, recently, huh? Yeah, probably the best time you could, the best or the worst, depending on how you want to put it, to uh, to start trading options. And so I've done that, and um, you know, I've found for me personally the thing that works best with my personality is buying and holding stocks for the very long term. And so I do a lot of fundamental analysis. I really dig into the companies. But at the same time, I try to teach people as a beginner, you know, here's some basic lessons that you can learn that kind of gets you going. And from there, really try to figure out what your investor risk tolerance is, how, how you approach the market, what kind of things you're trying to achieve from it. And I hope just by teaching as much as I learn whether through experience or through reading and, and really diving in that people can make those decisions for themselves wow that's really cool okay so i got i've got several questions so <laughs> so first where did you go to engineering school uh university of california irvine okay okay i uh the reason i ask is because i had a friend who went to uh university of missouri rolla that's a big engineering school. And I was like, man, I hope he says Rala, because that would be really cool to tie that in. <laughs> the only thing we're really known for there is our baseball team. Mm. Uh, we didn't have a football team. The joke at the college was, you know, we took all the money for a football stadium and we turned it into a library. 
which is actually true because we have a really big library. So, I mean, some, some positives what? and negatives. I think that is a great thing. In fact, now I, I live in Texas and like it, the, the stereotypical Texas Friday night football is such a thing. My, my wife's an educator and she worked at a really, really poor school for a while. And the school was so poor that like, like you go down the hallway and there'd be tiles missing, right? But wow. you better believe that they spent a million dollars to put down one of those new fake turf fields <laughs> for their football team. And I'm like, look at the hallways over here that have no floor. And you're going to spend a million dollars over here to put down fake grass. And it's like the priorities here. I mean, really. <laughs> well, so you guys have all these, these movies and, and TV shows like the Friday Night Lights. Is, is that pretty accurate? It's, have it's, you seen those? it's exactly that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it starts at like eight years old and it's funny because like i'm not a sports guy whatsoever and in fact i recently had like a breakthrough on uh, on the podcast on a recent episode i was telling somebody about this it's like the way that some people get like obsessed with sports is how i got obsessed with stocks right it's like my team instead of like green bay packers or dallas cowboys or whatever it's uh apple stock it's yeah. it's or tim apple whatever his name is these days um you know it's it's things like that where you know, we all have something that that piques our interest. And, and to some people, it's like, um, you know, the the rallying behind a team or for other people, it's the rallying behind a stock. And I think that's kind of fun to think about when you make that that correlation there. And I did want to ask you about your style of investing because it's almost inverse of mine. And I say that because like with mine, I look really short term. I'm looking seven to 10 days, something like that. And I'm looking for Basically, if the stock is going up, I'm looking to buy high and sell higher. And I know like traditional fundamental people like you, 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 you hear that and your brain explodes. It's like, what are you talking about? You can't buy high and sell higher, right? But for me, it's like, okay, if, if it's moving up and there's back-tested moving averages that are, are some people call it support. I don't like that term because I, I don't feel that there's support and resistance. I feel that there's movement in the market, either up or down. But if you can actually backtest these lines and say, okay, if it stays above the 20-day exponential moving average, then over time, this returns X percent. If it's above the 25-day exponential moving average, it returns Y percent, something like that. That's that's how my brain quantifies it. Um, and then, you know, obviously doing the, the research behind it. But I couldn't imagine um, buying something and be like, I'm going to hold it for 10 years or, or, or whatever the style is. And And I know a lot of people, I mean, you look at any other than like GE or something like that. Look at any stock chart over like a 10 year frame and you're going to go, you're, you're going to be fine. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting to hear. And I, I, that's why I love having guests on is because it's, it can be the exact opposite of how I trade, but it's exceptionally valid for you and your personality. And that's like you said, it, it fits your investing personality. And I think that's crucial. And I think that no matter where you are in the stage of investing, finding that style that fits your personality is, is crucial is key. Yeah. And, and you really want it to fit your lifestyle too. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, I, I'm very fortunate where I can spend all day long looking at the fundamental data and, you know, it, it, it is stylistic differences, but really it all makes sense. Like I, I don't, I don't look down on technicals at all. I mean, there's a whole industry that's looking at all of the same financial data. Yeah. And so when they see a business doing better in the short term, well, as more and more people figure that out, they're going to bid the stock higher and higher and higher. 
And that's one of the reasons that technical works. Now, you also have, you know, investor emotions and biases, and I'm sure you know all about that a lot better than I do. For me personally, I what I see as the stock market and how it works within the economy, you kind of summarize it perfectly. Over the very long term, it tends to go up over time. So what that the reasoning behind that is there are businesses underneath these stocks. And so as they grow profits, the stock market, um, as they grow profits, the stock prices rise along with those profits. In the short term, you have a lot of fluctuations. You have a lot of volatility. Over the very long term, it tends to follow profits. And so mm-hmm. for somebody like me, I like to be able to, not that you buy a stock and forget, you know, I'm constantly evaluating whether these businesses are still valid. Like you said, you don't want to be left in a GE or a Xerox or, you know, these companies that become obsolete. And, you know, you have managements at these companies who might blow through shareholder capital and not be efficient with that. But that's why you do a lot of research. And then over time, I'm a big advocate of of compound interest. I'm a big advocate of looking at an investment and trying to take those returns and let them compound over time. And I think over the very long term, that can have a lot of beautiful results for people. And so when you invest in the type of style that I like to invest in, I like to invest in companies that are growing. I like to invest in companies that are paying a dividend and companies that grow that dividend. And so for me, I almost have like a triple triple interleave forces that are all working together because everything's compounding on itself. So as the business yes. grows, it gets better. Those profits grow, the stock price rises, the dividends rise, and then I'm reinvesting those dividends. So my share of that pie is getting exponentially bigger and the business is getting bigger. And over the very, very long term, that's where you can see really great returns. Okay. So, so I again, have several follow-up questions for you. <laughs> yep. So, all right. So, so I recently wrote a, I guess not recently, a couple of years ago, I wrote a, uh, a, an ebook that I called it the triple stock profit system, totally clickbait as far as possible. But in reality, it's kind of doing what you're talking about there. It's buying stocks that pay a dividend, having the stock appreciate, taking the dividend income, and then selling calls against those stocks, hmm. and then getting the call income from it. Is that something that you do? I've I've sold some covered calls. And like I mentioned, um, when I first got into it, it was literally in February, right before the market crashed. So okay, my, okay. my first foray into investing serious money where I was so first I was selling naked puts to collect that income on stocks I wanted to buy for the long term anyway. Okay. And then what I was doing was I was I would sell those puts and then whenever those puts would exercise, um, then I would hold the stock long basically long term and then sell cover calls along the way. And I I just happened to get burned because the timing of that was so awful. And so one of the stocks I had was American Eagle and it dropped, I think it was over 50%. So I I finally was able to exit that trade and I really limited my losses as best I could. That that was a stock that it was just going nuts. And so um, I would, the, the system I think can work for a lot of people. I just found it didn't work for me, but I was essentially selling the calls. I was still collecting that premium. And then because the stock was dropping, uh, I would have to sell calls at longer and longer durations to get an acceptable premium for mm-hmm. for that trade. And so it didn't work out for me, but I 
what I really liked as I was doing all of that research, and it's something that I've heard referred to as the Theta Gang, but it's basically you, you sell premium and I I I would do exactly that process where I would I would do fundamental analysis to figure out which businesses do I think can last for a long time. Doing what I'm talking about. It's also a long-term play too. Yes. But you don't want to be doing that with stocks that could go bankrupt in six months. So right. I would lay that foundation first and then I would do that wheel where I would sell naked puts. And, and you know, if, if the stock continues to rise, I'm selling those naked puts, that's fantastic. You know, uh, I could just keep collecting that premium. If the stock price dropped, then I would get in to a stock at a price lower than I was already happy buying it at as I collected that premium. And then I could collect premium on the other side to sell cover calls on. So I, I really like that, that logic. I just found, you know, the timing was off and I have a lot more experience doing the approach I, I talked about, about buying and holding for the very long term. I've been doing that since 2012. Mm -hmm. So I had fun with, with the, the wheel and, and the Theta gang stuff. But now, nowadays I'm, I'm back on, on my regular thing. You know, it, 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 it's not, you know, it's not your fault. You know, sometimes the market work against, works against you, you know, and, and I tell people that all the time. Don't, don't expect to win 100% of the time. But unless you're Warren Buffett and you got 80 years to wait, you know, <laughs> it's not a loss until you close the trade, right? So if you got 80 years, don't even worry about it. <laughs> you, you tell me how to guarantee that we'll, we'll, I'll have 80 years. and, and Yeah, know. exactly, right? <laughs> you know, so, to be fair to Buffett, though, he, he did he's very open about his own mistakes. And so even though he's probably the most brilliant guy we've ever seen at looking at the stock market and finding great businesses, he still went into a company like uh, a shoe company. So he went into one shoe company, had a lot of success. He's like, well, why don't I do that again? Went into another shoe company, lost a ton of money. He used to say he would never buy into airlines. He eventually bought into airlines and then lost a bunch of money. And then he bought into airlines again and then lost a bunch of money when COVID happened. So, you know, he's, he's not immune from mistakes any more than you and I are, but the, the, the important thing is you learn from your mistakes and as you're evolving that strategy of yours, you take those lessons and you just make yourself better. And I've found for me, you know, American Eagle is a perfect example where I really underestimated the power of Amazon. And it's not so much that Amazon has taken away so many retailers. They really have, but what I didn't realize on the onset is how much American Eagle really depended on that mall traffic. And so it was that, that, that trend was a bigger, was a bigger problem than anything that Amazon was. Cause I was kind of, I, I was really, you know, thinking about Amazon already when I was looking at American Eagle and, and how I felt about the valuation and how I felt about its long-term prospects, but it was the declining mall traffic. Now they have, they have things that they're working on to over time. But, you know, that's one thing where I, I, I took that along with some other lessons on some losses I took. And, and you know, really since the pandemic, I've, I've really focused on figuring out how the world has changed and, and really adapting to that. And that's helped me a lot more. And, I, and it's, it's a timing thing, too. I don't know if, if I would have come across this approach three years ago. I don't know if it would have worked for me as well as it has now. But it's, 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 a, it's a big combination of you know, not to overwhelm people, but, um, learning and then, and then being confident and then being humbled, staying humbled 
learning from that and then being confident again. And it's really, I think it's a never ending cycle and there's a lot of learning involved. And maybe that's why I like it because I haven't gotten bored of it because there's always something new to learn. I think what you're talking about right there is so, so key to everybody is that being able to adapt to the market that you're in, right? I mean, one of the ways of adapting is just holding cash, right? I have part of my thing is that like, if, if the uh, S&P 500, like if the 10 and 20 day cross on the exponential moving averages, then like that's considered like cross down, that's considered a, a bear market. And I don't want to play because like you don't know how quickly that's going to drop the biggest gains that ever happen. Like one day changes happen in bear markets going up. And it's like, well, don't you want to play that? Well, no, because the volatility is off the charts. I don't know if I'm getting in at a great price or getting in at a terrible price. And the next day it might be a rally or or a total plunge against me. So that's that's me, man. Like you're talking about fitting your personality. That's when I decide I don't want to play. And that's exactly what happened on um, it was February 27th. I took about six weeks off. And that was like three days before the, the crest, I guess you could say, and wow. uh, the drop off there. And it was just because I was being market aware, you know, things that we're talking about here. And like, I just sat out. <laughs> but then again, once it bottomed, it was like mid April, something like that. Uh, that's when I got back in heavy and like I doubled my account and not trying to brag, but I doubled my account within just a, a span of a few weeks because it was like up every day, every day, every day. And I was just selling puts along the whole way and just riding it up like you were like you were trying to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's yeah. just the timing was different, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, being being market aware, being able to adapt to the different circumstances that we're giving is, is, is so key. So I did want to ask you a question, right? I've watched uh, a few different investing gurus on on YouTube and some of them drive me absolutely bonkers because it's like <laughs> it's almost like they've never done this before, but want to act like they've done this before. Like they've never actually put dollars into the market and watched things go against them. Mm. And the one that uh, I'm referring to, his his channel isn't up anymore, and who knows why. But uh, in the process, he had gathered like 25,000 subs, and he was getting tens of thousands of views on each video. And like his his analysis, it, it was quote fundamental analysis, but it was something like I'm going to buy waste management because people are always going to have trash, and it's x dollars today and i think it'd go to y dollars in a couple years i mean (laughs) like like and he had a whiteboard and tried to make it all professional and everything and it's like okay and and he's like and you know what if it goes down i'm gonna hold it forever because people are always gonna have trash and i was just about ready to throw my computer out the window at that point because it's like dude what are you talking about right if if this stock is performing poorly First off, why do you want to get in it? If you just want to throw your money away, right? If it's in a downtrend and you're saying now's a great time to buy because the price is low. It may be low today and it could be a hell of a lot lower in a week or two. And then to say something like, I'm just going to hold it forever. That obviously different, different styles here that like messes with my brain. Cause it's like, let's say it goes below the 200 day moving average. That means it's, it's trading below its price, the average price over like the last year. And he's like, I'll just hold it forever. It's like simple, simple signals like that, like a 200 day or maybe a 50 day, just some sort of filter to say, 
I'm in, I'm interested, I want to go long, or this stock is performing poorly, I'll get back in when there's enough buyers to help push the prices up to above this, this trend line. So that's where I'm going with this, is do you use any sort of indicators or trend lines or anything like that? Now, I'm not one to draw things on my screen. I, I don't do that. But I'm talking about like data points, essentially. And being that you're a, an engineer, um, I figured that there probably has to be some sort of data points to align with your investing style. Yeah, that's that's such a great question. And I mean, don't get it, me even started on YouTube and, and everything that's on there. Uh, <laughs> Which is where I, I this love, is going, by the way. <laughs> I, I love YouTube. I, I love watching the comedians on there. But, you know, I think the fact that people are on the podcast to learn and, and, and genuinely learn from credible people, that's the right place to be. I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it there. And you're you're absolutely right. You 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 100%. If you're going to be looking at buying stocks for the long term, it's still about the numbers. And I'm all about looking at the numbers. So, give you a little backstory. When I first started, you know, a couple years in, I I'm a very risk averse person, and so I do not like the idea of exactly what you're talking about, buying a stock that's cheap and then it just continues crashing until one day they're bankrupt classic value trap and a classic mistake that everybody a lot of people make as they first get started i mean when i even now you know there were so many people who call themselves fundamental analysis analysts and and you know value investors and they're buying the airlines just because they're they're cheap oh, and, okay. and I saw the same video on YouTube. No, I did not. <laughs> I don't. I'm not on YouTube for for the the market. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, well, it was. Uh, it's one of these channels where where the guys got you know crazy crazy subs, five hundred thousand subs. Now look, I'm I'm jelly. I will be as strawberry jelly as you want me to be about that. It's very true. But <laughs> like when when he's holding up his little whiteboard and he's like, airlines are going to triple, you know, and his little thumbnail. I know like, who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you say okay. that. No names. <laughs> yeah. But right. it's, it's like, really, like, where are you getting this from? Right? right. Obviously, people don't want to buy the stock. Why do you want to spend your money or, or spend your money right. to buy that stock? Sorry. And okay. I'll, I'll let you finish your, your answer. It, yeah. It, it drives me nuts. And, and the environment, the market environment that we've had in 2020 has really, it's it's just magnified the differences there, and so you know we we could get into the airlines. I don't want to get into it, but you know you tell me how a business that has ten percent of the people it usually has to pay them money. You tell me how that's a good investment. You can't. You really can't if you're really intellectually honest with yourself. But you know, so you talked about indicators that will tell you, hey, this thing's in a really bad trend, and it probably will continue going lower, and and it does. And, and there's a big reasoning behind that. So for me, for me, I looked and I wanted to, again, avoid risk and really limit my downside because the fact of putting my money in and never seeing it ever again really scared me. So I went back I, and I didn't see, people don't talk about this, but I, 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 I took the flip side. Everybody wants to talk about profits and, and how much you can make. Let me look at the failures. So I went through, it was a very arduous process. And like I said, I jump into the rabbit hole. I went through and I looked at all the bankruptcies that we've had since the early 2000s. And you have a lot of big names there, you know, Washington Mutual, Blockbuster, Enron. And, and you know, Enron was like a top five, top 10 company. Everybody talked about how it was like one of the best blue chips ever. They go bankrupt. 
And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, let me take my engineering numbers, my strength and, and look at all of the numbers. And I was doing this, you know, with very limited tools, even though this was 2013, 2012, I was just a regular dude. I didn't have access to, to a lot of the, the great computing power I do now. And so I was manually filling in spreadsheets and just looking at all of the numbers and is there any commonalities? And so the biggest thing I found was these companies would have a lot of debt and that debt was growing and they would not be turning a profit. They would be, they would be, they would have negative earnings. They would not be profitable. And the fact that just that simple indicator of a company having negative earnings, there were more than 50%, I think 60 or 70% of these companies had negative earnings. So I found that to be a really easy indicator for myself moving forward. Well, guess what? I'm just not going to buy a stock with negative earnings. And these are the exact type of companies that you'll see that trade under the 200-day moving average or, or what your indicator is. And it's because there's a lot of other smart people on Wall Street who do this for a living, and they're looking at the fundamental data. And so if they have a company that's not profitable, that's going to be a company that if they make one little mistake, their business model could be absolutely screwed. And so that's why you'll see a lot of volatility with these names, and you'll see a lot of downtrends that continue. And it's exactly because the business is just such a risky thing. And people buy into it thinking, well, it's so cheap, there's no way it can go lower. It must be a not risky investment. And it's the exact opposite of what the reality is. And so it drives me nuts too. And I think it's just something I'm going to have to take to my grave that there's just going to be a category of people who continue trying to dig through the trash something of value there. The best we can do is just, you know, learn from their mistakes maybe and 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 make the best systems and indicators that we can to avoid those as much as we can in the future. I love how you just said people digging through the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Like when you said that, I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> but you know it's so true, right? When when you look at some of the uh, the most, I mean, like like we talked about GE earlier. You know, they probably have a hundred thousand employees still. You know, they're like a multi multi billion dollar company. They do lots of stuff, but investors and traders and people who want to be in the market aren't buying it. I don't know why, but when it's like six bucks on this, or I, I think it was around six bucks. It could be something else now. Last time I looked, it was six bucks. When it's like six bucks, like just that alone should give you an indication when something like Amazon is 3000 Tesla just got split, you know, what was it like three or four to one? I was just trading it the other day. It's like 400 something dollars now after the split. Apple just had its split and it's over a hundred dollars after it's split. Just the price alone, I think should give you an indicator of how good the company is. Like if it really is something that's, worthwhile getting into right and that really goes back to your trash example right <laughs> if if i if if i got my brand new iphone 12 versus my iphone 4s you know that iphone 4s is probably in the trash at this point <laughs> and it's worth a hell of a lot less than my brand new iphone 12 everybody's out there buying the iphone 12 because it's something better to have better usefulness it's a better tool. I mean, not only for the fact that it's like newer and shiny object syndrome and all that stuff, but like, like you can actually accomplish more on it than on your iPhone 4S. 
And so just right there, if you're going to compare value, I think the value is in the more expensive one because you can accomplish more with it. Translate that to stock prices. A stock that's expensive, like Amazon, like Tesla's, like Apple's and things like that, are expensive for a reason. They're worth having. But then stocks that are cheap, like Sirius XM, like there's a now reason. We're, now we're going to dig through the trash. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And I talk about Sirius XM because like I, I used to be a huge Sirius XM person. Like I loved it. I had my car, and yeah. had a little Walkman thing, right? And then I got a smartphone, I think it was a iPhone 4S, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like they had a Sirius XM app and I'm like, sweet, I'll just listen to it on the app. So I canceled my car subscription and then I found podcasts and I'm like, what the hell do I need this thing for? Mm-hmm. And then I got Spotify and I'm like, what do I need Sirius XM for? Like something like that. I mean, you look at the price of it. Last time I checked was like 450. I mean, that alone should tell you enough that it's just not worth your time. But then you've got I'll, people. I'll... Oh, yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Okay. No, I was just gonna say then then other people look at it like it's the volume play, right? Oh, it's four fifty. Sweet, I could buy oh, fifty thousand shares of it or something like that. <laughs> you watch it go down even more, and your your volume play is now exacerbated in the wrong direction. So I, sorry, I made that mis- I've made that mistake too. I, I was looking at Office Depot at like two bucks a share maybe six months ago. And you know, it didn't work out in hindsight, obviously. I'll say the 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 correlation to you know how I would approach that and look at it and kind of quantify it in my world would be, I mean, it's so common sense, right? If, if these are businesses we're talking about and you have a business that's solely about GPSs and then our new technology comes and completely revolutionizes that, you're exactly right. Nobody's going to pay money, a hundred bucks for a GPS when it comes on your phone for free. Now, we can't really make those. That's a great example. We can't really realistically do that with every business. Businesses can get quite complex. So from my, from my point of view and what drives me nuts also is that what people need to understand is a company is only valuable if it's growing. So that could reflect, it usually does reflect in the stock price, but it should reflect in their in their financial statements. So you should see profits that grow over time because if they're not growing those profits, we're not getting that compounding. And so a lot of these companies that you talk about that have share prices in the gutter, it's it's for a reason. And it's because they're not growing those profit anymore and, and they're 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 those profits are shrinking. And it's it really is that simple sometimes. Yeah, well said. So it goes back to what you were saying. Or what I was asking, I guess. Do you have like a like a a trend line or something, some sort of chart line, which I know sounds like it may not be your your thing whatsoever, but do you have any kind of barrier that says, hey, I'm in or I'm out based on uh, a line of some sort? Uh, yeah, so it's I don't use a line per se. What I do is it's a it's a pretty common approach. It's called a, a DCF discounted cash flow valuation. And so I'm just looking at... Look, I went at, to business school, man. I probably did a thousand of those. I know all about okay. it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll try to make it simple and we, we won't harp on it too much. But basically, I want to look at what's the future profitability of this company. You know, we could call it cash flows. We can call it profits, whatever it is. And so you want to make sure that whatever price you're buying a stock at, you're getting enough of those profits 
in the future to make that investment worthwhile. And so what determines whether a stock is cheap or expensive is based on what those future cash flows are. Now that's a very hard thing to determine and it's a mix of a science and an art, but it, it goes back to if, if there's companies that are not growing those cash flows, well, they're not worth much. And, and a lot of people don't make that distinction and I think it's a mistake. You know, this has been so interesting, Andrew. I got to tell you, I've learned a lot and I, I really enjoy this conversation here, this this banter, because, man, I I will never forget the digging through the trash reference. I love <laughs> that. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah, this is a ton of fun. Yeah, we're going to have to do this again, Andrew. Now, now let's talk about your podcast real quick. So your podcast is the Investing for Beginners podcast. And of course, I want you guys who are listening to this one after it's all the way complete, of course, go check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. So it looks like he's got nearly 200 episodes at this point. Yeah, no, thank you. Like I said, it's it's us really trying to make things simple and talk to the average investor. So we have different things we try to teach and, and try to boil things down. We're very numbers-based, um, and, and we kind of say that up front in the intro of our podcast. So it's not for everybody, but you know we, we do try to approach it from a standpoint of how can the average investor do well for themselves in the stock market. And so that's 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 what we try to talk about every week. It's me and my co-host Dave, and you know sometimes we'll have guests on. Sometimes they'll just most of the time it's just us. We'll answer a lot of listener questions, and really just try to try to teach as much as we can about the basics of the stock market, personal finance, and all of those things. That's really cool. So I hope you guys that are listening right now make sure you go and check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. Add that to your queue. Because I know, and I'm sure it's the same with you, right? You've got loyal listeners, right? Every single week, you can count on at least X number of downloads, no matter no matter what you put out there, which is so cool. And, I, and I'm the same way, too. Like, when I find a new podcast, I will binge the shit out of it. I mean, I'll yeah. start at the beginning, and I will go all the way to new. And it may take me three weeks, but it's the only thing that's in my earbuds. So, you know what? Maybe we can get a couple of my uh, my subs to come over to your side and check it out as well. Yeah, that would be great. I love getting those listener emails where they say, hey, I'm, I've am i binged it or I'm binging it. And it's amazing how to what extremes people will take it to. I love it, though. You know, I, I do have a little bit of ego when I when I hear that. And it, it is a good move because you, you can really it's like a, a brain dump download of all these lessons that we've accumulated. You know, you've accumulated too. you've been doing your podcast for years and from conversations with other intelligent people, from experiences it's it's a I don't know a better way to fast track your your learning than through podcasts and that's why I love them you know what's great it's true it's it's like so so I have a course where I teach people how to trade and it's really concise and it tells you x and y and z about what I'm doing but then on the flip side it's like you can come and have these conversations and then you can like make the connection oh he's talking about this when he does that you know what I mean and like mm. having it come up in conversation really to me cements the whole experience, right? And it and that's a really quick way to tell like a fake guru from like somebody who actually does the uh, the investing or the trading like you or I, because yeah. like we we got all these horror stories, right? We we could I could go on for days, like like the it 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 cost me a college tuition worth of education and losses before I mm -hmm. figured out how to trade. Yeah. And I'm not exaggerating. It was five figures before I was like, Oh, that's how you do it. Okay. 
And, uh, you know, it's nothing in this space comes easy, but you got to be able to figure out what works for you and your personality. And I love being able to have guests like you on where it's a completely different way to look at it than I look at it. Cause that should give the audience hope that, you know what it's, you'll find your way. And once you find your way, you're going to be all right. Yeah. It, this was so fun. I mean, conversations like this, something magical can happen, like digging through the trash. I don't know where that came from, but oh. <laughs> maybe it, it can be a good <laughs> visual for people. Yes, absolutely. I, uh, I, I, I can't wait to, uh, to share this. This has been a real, real pleasure, Andrew. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Okay, so what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? Now, if you like that, that's only a taste, only a sample of what you're gonna find in the full AI stock trading system. And I really highly encourage you to go and check this out. Obviously, you are interested in learning and how to trade, and that's why you're listening to this podcast. Now, I'm going to take and download my entire trading system that I use day in and day out onto you. <laughs> and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is over at the AIStockTradingSystem.com. You're going to get phase one, two, and three, several bonuses. And on top of that, I'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that I put on inside of my account, holding your hand and showing you exactly how I got in, how I got out, how I use the artificial intelligence data, and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis. So make sure you head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI Stock Trading System today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimMinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.